I, I don't put hashtags in my actual promoted tweets because that um, that takes people away from my ad, but I will target that hashtag um, so that way my ad shows up on that hashtag. Um, That's a great pro tip right there. So you don't put hashtags in your promoted tweet or in the actual tweet text. Yeah. Oh, hold on, cue the intro, cue the intro. So thanks. Thanks for coming on to uh, PPC podcast. This yeah, week. man. Um, yeah, you, I, we've known each other, I guess, professionally because you used uh, the AdSage product a while ago at a, at a last company. I think we've kept in touch for a while because you always seem to know what's going on in the Twitter sphere. And I, I read <laughs> about your, uh, your comings and goings on the Hannapin Marketing uh, PPC Hero blog. Um, so, so yeah, glad you can come on here. Yeah, man. Thanks for reaching out. Um, always good to spread some knowledge and then also learn some stuff as well. Right. Well, I don't think you'll learn anything today. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it will be our teacher. Well, actually, let's maybe you can teach us something right off the bat. I'm going to read your bio and then you can explain <laughs> uh, what this means. So uh, JD, this is J.D. Prater who works at Hannapin Marketing. His uh, bio, according to Twitter, is a polymath with oh. an appreciation for detail and the simple art of doing things right. Cyclist, crossworder, storyteller, senior account manager, and trainer. So question number one, uh, what is a polymath? Uh, so polymath is like, um, you kind of don't just have like this like specific area of knowledge. You're kind of like wide ranging knowledge of learning. And so the reason I say that is because um, I came from like a political science background. So I was actually working on like my master's degree in Cairo, uh, doing Middle East political science. And now I'm a digital marketer. So, hey. <laughs> wow. So you were in Cairo and where, where did you go to school to do uh, political science? Yeah, it was a American university in Cairo. So, wow. um, so the reason I say that, and then, um, I, I like to be pretty wide read. So that's, that's another reason. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, don't try to box me in, Paul. All right. right. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly you're a cyclist, a crossworder. Uh, I did go to your, your personal blog a little bit and read about some of your background. So you wash dishes and you had a variety of jobs. <laughs> Sounds like you, it took you a while to settle on marketing as a profession. Yeah. What, what song? Oh man. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is luck. Um, I am not one of those people that at the age of 18, where I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I started out as like a civil engineer. <laughs> so I was like, I was going to build bridges, man. Um, and then you still like, do. You still do. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I really pretty quickly realized that was not for me. And so um, really enjoyed kind of education. So I kind of got into um, history and was going to teach. And that's the reason I was going in for like master's program. I was wanting to go up to the college level and then kind of recession hit and everybody decided that they wanted to go back to college. And I was like, crap. Um, I'm not one of the like top 2% that can actually like get into these really awesome programs and get funded. So I'll just take a job in marketing. <laughs> yeah, that's how we all end up here, I think. Now they have classes for this stuff. So you can go to school and learn like PPC and Twitter. I know, man. I'm like super jealous of those people. Right. Um, well, so talk a little bit about Cairo, though, before we get into the PPC yeah. stuff. It sounds like awesome. Did you? How long were you there? What were you doing? Yeah, so I was in Cairo for a year and I was working on master's degree and also teaching at an international school. So I was teaching history. So I was teaching AP American history, AP uh, European history and um, got out just before the revolution hit a couple of months right before. And it's so, timing. yeah, I think it worked out pretty well. I had some friends that are still there. They're still... <laughs> uh, they're not as white and blue eyed and blonde haired as I am. And so <laughs> I stick out like a sore thumb. And, yeah. um, but other than that, it was, it was really, I would say pretty life changing. So I'm originally from Oklahoma of a town of like 30,000 people and Cairo has like 20 million people. So that was a pretty, 
right? <laughs> it was, this wasn't the same. Um, and it worked out pretty well, though. It's a really great experience. My um, wife came over for like the last six months and she worked with refugees teaching English to them. And so we had a pretty good, um, I'd say overall, decently good experience. I think my experience was better than hers. And she got, you know, she got harassed a lot. But other than that, it was yeah. good. Man, great you really, um, <laughs> and great food. That's great a good food. way to end the story. Great food. <laughs> Cairo uh, uprising, refugee camp, uh, but great food. Uh, great. Well, it sounds like a screenplay you could write about, you know, the Oklahoma kid goes to Cairo. <laughs> Yeah. The so, uh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Marketing might not be as exciting, but at some point you transitioned then. You said you went and just kind of found a job in marketing. So mm-hmm. uh, what was that first job in marketing? How'd it go? Yeah, so um, we got back from Cairo and then we shortly after that, we moved to D.C., and because um, we both wanted to work at nonprofits, we are both kind of we're very very mission vision driven people, and we thought you know hey that can only happen at a nonprofit right, <laughs> so um, you know young naive whatever it is and moved to D.C. without jobs and we were like just gonna make it happen and again young naive and we go there and we start applying like crazy not getting a whole lot of traction and then eventually. Um, got really lucky and landed at a nonprofit called American Farmland Trust. And so coming from Oklahoma, um, I grew up on a small farm. I understand kind of the plight of the farmer, um, if you will. And so um, worked with them, got a job within their marketing team and was like the new guy. And they're like, hey, new guy, here's some PPC, go figure it out. Um, Here's some Twitter. Why don't you go schedule some stuff? And here's some Facebook go write some posts. And so that's kind of really how I got started and actually paid ads. It was, it was kind of a lot of fun. And uh, you're getting some, so I'm glad they call them. Uh, what do they call them? I don't know. These Lights, things floating rays, up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't know. I'm forgetting what they call them. Anyway, uh, props. You're getting props from Kent, who is from Kansas. So when nice. you said, uh, you know, farm living, he nice. started listening to this podcast. Yeah. He's like, uh, what? The farms, I'm in. <laughs> it's um, flat. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Cal. Um, cool. So uh, you got into marketing. You started just. It sounds like hands-on to to learn it from the ground up. And a few jobs later, you landed at Hannapin, which is you know a very well-respected agency. And you yeah. guys crank out a ton of really good content <laughs> on the PPC Hero <laughs> Blog. How how do you do that? Oh gosh, um, you're gonna like. You're going to cause some division now. Um, so, no, it's not that bad. It is. Um, we are required, not required. Yeah, we are required. Um, you, can, you can say it. You can say required. <laughs> they, make us, um, they keep us chained up in the basement with a tight. Yeah. So, you know, we have enough people on staff to where we come out uh, with some like really smart people. And so they really kind of push us to write. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for two blogs every month. And so, Mine is mostly I'm going to focus on social just because um, everyone on our team is experts in AdWords and Bing. Like, I'm not going to write anything that's going to change the world from our team there. So I try to write about, you know, like content gaps that I think that we may have. So um, we have that uh, for social is typically what I write about. And then um, I've also got a, a case study coming up. Um, I think next week I got to get on that one um, for mobile app installs that I'm working on right now. So Um, with which networks multiple Um, this one is specifically on Google. Okay, cool. Um, And if it's due next week, that means the night before you'll be writing it until 2 a.m. Is that (laughs) how you write your Uh, blogs like everyone else? No, I'm actually pretty good about this one uh, only because my wife is a copywriter. And so I have her revise it and make it sound better. <laughs> well, now you're embarrassing me. I still treat everything like uh, a college term paper. Well, uh, if, if I want her to look at it, it has to be done <laughs> before. So that's because you're doing So you're writing about two blog posts uh, per month, which is awesome. And then you're managing full time. I know you do a bunch of Twitter. Uh, maybe you could walk us through a little bit of what a typical day or maybe a typical oh, week for you looks like. Oh, man. Yeah. So typical week for me. So um, I'm based here in Denver. And so I start at like 630. Um, 
most of my clients are East Coast. And so I try to wake up when they do. And so I, I start early, but I'm also an early bird. Like I'm, I'm a guy that likes to get up and get going. Uh, also makes time for cycling in the afternoon. So it works out pretty well. Um, <laughs> yeah, so top 10 finish in some race I never heard of. Congratulations. Oh, man, this was a big race. Come on. Um, yeah, so. it's the NTSB. <laughs> uh, 50 miler. No, uh, congr- I always, uh, people who who uh, cycle and row, I think uh, both get my respect for just the ability to wake up really early and spend a lot of time kind of practicing because it takes a long time, yeah. you know, to kind of push your limits on a bike or in a boat um, or I guess marathon runners and stuff like that. So props for being. That, oh, well, thank you. Dedicated. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, cyclocross is a lot of fun. Um, so I get up and, you know, just like everyone else, I'm checking email first, seeing any fires, anything, you know, that needs to be taken care of um, kind of quickly. And then um, we are also, within Hennepin, we have 90 day roadmaps for most of our clients. And so we know what's going to be happening for like the next three months. And so this really helps out as far as day-to-day management, week to week, month to month, that kind of stuff. And so um, really, really helpful for me to kind of stay on track um, and what's going to be happening. And then you try to incorporate any of the new features that might be. So throughout the day, I, um, try to do most of my account management stuff before noon. And so that gives me about seven to 12, you know, about five hours of solid work. I'll take some lunch and then uh, I come back and do my internal um, responsibility. So my, uh, I'm also in charge of the training. And so I train all of our new hires and then we have a one month full day training, which is happening tomorrow. And it's called Red Bop, where we talk about best practices, new features. And so it's a full company training and that one is, that one's in, that one is fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds intense. Do you put them online? Do you post that content anywhere? Or maybe at the conferences you guys do? Um, we typically try to either do a couple of different things with those. We either try to make them into blog posts. Um, so that way the people that are presenting uh, get something out of it other than just 45 minutes of their time. They will get a blog out of it. So we have people taking notes uh, during those sessions. And then uh, we also... This is my my gimmick to get people to present is like, hey, if you've got a conference coming up, you can practice it here or you can start getting your deck ready, you know, for this session. So that's how I try to convince people. And what's the number one training session? If I was at uh, Hannapin and I heard you were giving a training class, which is the one I have to go to? It's the most interesting one. Um, that depends. Hold on. I'll pull up the schedule for tomorrow. Um, the schedule for tomorrow is actually really, really good. Um, we got some really smart, uh, people, of course, but then, uh, the topics are fun. So we think we're doing like three new features. So tomorrow we've got, um, Carrie Albright, who's one of our senior account managers. Um, she's going to be talking about campaign strategies for the holidays. We're going to be talking about the Google customer match, of course, uh, strategies of how we can implement, uh, Matt Umbro, you know, PPC chat guy is going to be talking about the new shopping assortment report. We're going to be talking about trends in PPC. So that's different than campaign trends, overall trends. We're going to be discussing programmatic ads and then uh, the new being uh, UET and conversion tracking. So that's that's what's on deck. In case you guys are wondering tomorrow, that's what we're going to be talking about all day. Right. That's a packed schedule right there. And I think for folks who, who don't work at Hannapin, first off, again, uh, props to Hannapin for like really pushing education. And I feel like folks who go there, they just seem to have a good collection of these like really smart folks in the PPC space. And it's obvious why, right? They're very invested in training where yeah. a lot of agencies you talk to, you know, training is something that happens when you're brand new and then you just kind of uh, go through the grind <laughs> until you're burnt out and threaten to leave. And then maybe they promote you or give you like some different accounts. That's <laughs> a lot of agencies I've worked with. That's, that's the grind. So uh, props for, for Hannapin strategy there. Um, but what I was going to say was, you know, for folks who are in the grind at a crappy agency or maybe you're at a great <laughs> agency, but you, you know, you want to be more in tune with these things uh, and want to be up to date. So we put out a blog uh, or I guess a newsletter every week you can find on our ad stage blog as well called this week in ad tech. And most of the things you brought up are actually kind of articles on that. And for me, you know, I do this podcast every week. So I read pretty much every article on there. Yeah. And I've been in PPC for I don't know, a very long time. And I probably am more informed now than I've ever been because every week I force myself 
in my one hour commute on the bus to read every single article. And I feel like I know what all five networks are doing at all times. So yeah, uh, shameless plug for herself. And I think we have a link at some point uh, we'll put in the comments if we haven't already. Um, so people can sign up for that or go over to the uh, PPC hero blog and also sign up for that because that's a, we usually take three or four of your articles every week uh, to put them to our. <laughs> no, you guys do a really good job of uh, curating all the articles. So if you're looking for like a one-stop shop, I would say that's, that's a great one to definitely subscribe to. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, and so you wrote an article for the PPC hero blog a while ago now, how to perform Twitter research to improve ad performance uh, which was a kind of rare because it's hard to find good content about Twitter, to be honest. There's not a lot of yeah. folks who are kind of posting strategies. So um, how often do you manage Twitter? How familiar are you with Twitter versus like the search networks? Maybe talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the social networks and all the social ads. And so I try to... Um, don't don't tell Jeff Allen this, our president, but I try to in interject myself as much as possible into everyone's business. Um, so <laughs> it's like, hey, can I help you with that? Can I? Can I? Um, and so they're they, they they get on to me quite a bit for that. But um, so um, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy social ads. I really enjoy Twitter. Um, I think it's one of the networks that a lot of people. I think have I think like misconceptions of what they're trying to do. I think that they think. Oh, I can just do this and I'm good to go. Um, and so I think one thing, this might be kind of going back into my, maybe like my master's program. It's like, I really enjoy the research. And so I think what really makes a strong campaign on Twitter is the research that is done on your audience. Cause I also like personas. I think that's a lot of fun. And so for me, that's, that's kind of my, my, my go-to is, um, of course, Facebook, you know, we all we all use Facebook. We all use it pretty widely. But um, I think Twitter is one that um, we don't may not necessarily use enough. And there, I think that there's valid for that, for some of the ROI stuff, for the people that are very performance driven. I, I, I definitely get it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think if you're running display ads, you should be running Twitter ads too. Fair point. And uh, Jana in the comment section is blowing it up with links to your blog post, our blog post, et cetera. Um, yeah, so so let's talk a little bit in detail about folks who want to learn about Twitter. So I'm going to assume most folks who are joining or listening in know kind of the basics about Twitter, right? You're obviously advertising on Twitter to try to generate a direct response, get a lead, get a sign up, or you're building a brand. And the way Twitter usually talks about it as well is like there's brand advertising and then there's DR or direct response advertising. And then I think mobile might be a third yeah. category for mobile apps and games. And they're very kind of different use cases and different strategies to, to use Twitter. But basically, you know, you create a campaign like you would do in AdWords or you do in Facebook, and they do have the concept of ad groups as well in Twitter. It's not supported mm -hmm. in their native UI yet, so it gets a little confusing because if you use a tool like AdStage, you can use ad groups. It's true. And, and if you limit yourself to one ad group, then everything will be hunky-dory when you head into Twitter. But if you start building out more complex Twitter builds, which we often recommend so you can test different targeting uh, techniques and options, then it gets a little difficult to figure out what's going on on Twitter because Twitter doesn't support it yet. I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about it publicly, but uh, it's been like a year and a half that they've yeah. been coming out with ad groups. So um, anyway, so that's the, that's the quick rundown with Twitter for folks who really don't know anything about it. So uh, for the folks who do, what are some of your suggestions on of where you should focus your time in terms of Twitter targeting if you're a direct response advertiser. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh. You know, I think a good place to start is your tailored audiences. You know, start with your remarketing, basically. Um, that's, that's always an easy win for the most part is, you know, understand how your audience is going to respond to you because they're already your followers. They've already been to your website, whatever that may be. Um, you know, that, that's an easy one. Um, keywords, just make sure you do keyword research whenever before you do it. Um, and then make sure you're using some people I have seen that haven't quite realized this, but you, know, you can use broad match, phrase match, you can use exact match and understanding those different match types when you're looking for keywords. Um, do some hashtag research. I think that's incredibly important as well is 
I, I I don't put hashtags in my actual promoted tweets because that um, that takes people away from my ad. But I will target that hashtag um, so that way my ad shows up on that hashtag. Um, That's a great pro tip right there. So you don't put hashtags in your promoted tweet or in the actual tweet text. Yeah. To kind of control the ad experience. Interesting. I'm just going to uh, throw in a stat too, because in this week in ad tech, we pointed out one of the articles from eMarketer, which it looks like the data came from you. <laughs> Annapin Marketing, the state of PPC. You're everywhere. True. Um, <laughs> so the survey was what is the most important PPC channel for advertisers, according to kind of agencies and marketers? Um, so basically, they asked people who do PPC, what's the most important? And 90% said text ads, which is not surprising, but like, you know, we, we're always on the cutting edge of like what's new and, uh, you know, lead ads on Facebook just came out and carousel yeah. ads. Very funny. Meanwhile, good old fashioned text ads uh, are really the horse. Uh, so 90%. But number two was remarketing ads at 80%, which really shocked me just given how relatively new remarketing is compared to some of the other things on the list, like display ads. Uh, social ads, programmatic, mm -hmm. and all the conversation we have about uh, native ads in the advertising industry. Ooh, yeah. And only 25% of marketers thought that uh, they were kind of important. So uh, we talk a lot about native ads, and it turns out only a quarter of marketers even give a crap about them. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to make the point. Remarketing, I mean, we see it all the time here at AdStage because we support uh, tailored audiences for Twitter and custom audiences for Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously Google with uh, Customer Match now coming out and taking RLSA and making it kind of more accessible uh, with email lists, the ability to upload email lists. Really see remarketing as equal to the survey results, like the next most important thing next to text ads. But, right. So let's go back to Twitter. You were, you were saying keywords. Uh, so when, again, people don't know Twitter, you know, you have a bunch of different ways you could target just like in Facebook, right? You can target mm -hmm. by different demographics or you can target by interests. Do you combine these different types of targeting or do you start with keywords and then kind mm. of evaluate the landscape? I think it's, uh, it mostly comes down to what I'm trying to do and what I'm like, what is my goal? So I, I think one of the under, also underutilized is TV targeting. And I think this also depends on your brand. And so if you've got a brand that is out there, um, maybe selling, I don't know, let's say like home goods or something like that. It's like, does HG have a channel that has a home goods TV show? Probably. Um, maybe tar target that or target that hashtag. So um, that way you're only running ads during that TV show because we've seen that Twitter has been so good at uh, engaging people during TV shows. Um, and we, we, we see Facebook now trying to keep up um, because I, I still think that Twitter is leading a lot with uh, new features and Facebook's just like quick to respond. Uh, Jay Bear just had a great post today here. Um, let me find this one for you guys. Um, today that he came out with on convince and convert on uh, how Facebook is strangling uh, Twitter because they just keep taking all their new features and then duplicating it on Facebook. Right. So like lead gen ads, like we're excited for it on Facebook, but it's like Twitter's had that for a while now. Right. Um, you so, know, it's, it's funny yeah. you bring those up because I don't know what the, so Sahil, who's the founder of AdStage, yeah, it's all about lead ads on Facebook, which I think I am now. We spent a lot of time yesterday kind of going through uh, the documentation for lead ads and they really do seem like they're going to be, a really high converting ad type, but you never know. And yeah. being in, in the space forever, I mean, AdWords rolls out over the years, tons of crap features that like are around for a while and disappear. And if you waste all your time trying to figure them out. <laughs> so it's better to like, you know, talk to people like you and follow uh, the different PPC communities, learn what's working. I mean, Gmail ads are new. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's just a million things you could be doing. And I think a lot of being a marketer is, is managing your time and figure out where you're going to, uh. Yep. Spend your time focusing because you could waste, I mean, our retargeting list for search ads or RLSA on, on Google, you could waste days, you know, setting things <laughs> up, you like negative targeting on your existing customers and you could like not move the needle on the actual performance at all. And then it's you true. just wasted days. Um, so I think for a marketer, a lot of it's about figuring out what to do and what not to do. Correct. Anyway, the point I was going to make about lead ads is, you know, with Twitter, they haven't really seemed like they've taken off. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with you. I was super excited. I thought, you know, webinars, white papers. I was like, man, this is going to be it. Um, but 
you know, <laughs> as I, I really do love Twitter and this, it comes down to the ROI and kind of what you're trying to do. Like, you know, they had the buyable shoppable tweets before Facebook again, you know, like, Oh man, I, I just don't know if people when you're on Twitter are like ready. And we you know, we'll, we'll get into this with Instagram as well, because I think there's somewhat similar, uh, platforms in that people go there to consume um same with facebook you know we, we go there to consume but like we're, we're moving so fast um so with lead gen i, I would agree with you 100 percent. you know like they had like the tap tap go you know before that too you know you could tap on a tweet you could give them your information and you're you're, you're signed up for the newsletter just like that or you know but um I think a lot of people, and you know, and I'm guilty of this, just want to push content rather than kind of engage with the content. Um, well, and do you manage for the folks you manage on Twitter? Are they mostly on the brand side or the direct response side? Um, that's actually a really good question. Uh, it's probably mm, I would oh. say 75% performance driven, and then 25% kind of brand. You know, the brand side. Okay. Uh, the so brand side, like I think we could do that all day. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the talent comes in getting a direct response out of Twitter. Correct. And I will say, like probably most folks out there who are advertising on Twitter, you probably tried it, uh, thought of it like a brand play and maybe got limited results. I will say it's worth trying again if you haven't used Twitter as an advertising channel in the last three mm -hmm. to six months. I mean, uh, they simplified cards a bit. Uh, they refine the Twitter experience. So the, you know, we're running our own Twitter ads and our performance on, on Twitter has improved uh, kind of dramatically. We also focused on them, to be honest. Like we took yeah. uh, Drew here, who manages our Twitter campaigns in-house. You know, really took the time to try various features and do some testing on different targeting and you know, play around with uh, days of the week and whatnot. So we have seamless hmm. plug. We have a rules feature so we can, you know, kind of day part yeah. Twitter That's ads. That's so nice. Yeah, which is really nice. So that's a great way to, to kind of make sure you're not uh, blowing budget on weekends or whenever it's not converting for you. So, um, yeah. so you mentioned Instagram. You're kind of making this general point that maybe Twitter's not great for DR because of the nature of the beast, but you can squeeze some yeah. out of it. Is that yeah. safe to say? Yeah. I, I will say for like the buying aspect of it, I, I'm not sure that people are ready to like, buy stuff within Twitter. Um, you know, cause you know, you, you're saying that you guys are doing Twitter as well. I think your audience is on Twitter. You know, the PPC crowd is we're on there. We're very tech. We're very, um, ad tech heavy. You know, we, we understand this stuff. And so I, I think that we're on that type of platform to where, um, you know, whenever I think of like my wife, right. And she's wanting to go buy something and she's like scrolling through Twitter. It, it's, it's not, it's just not, gonna happen <laughs> right. yeah. but it could help inform that you know decision which is like the hardest part about all of this customer journey stuff is it's no longer just one platform it's we're talking five different platforms you know you go into like google analytics and you look at like conversion paths and you're like geez you know you clicked on this tweet you got hit with a remarketing ad on facebook and then you went to google came in through organic and then you finally converted on google remarketing and you're like wow yeah. Like that is a normal path now. So I, when I was at Kenshi, we used to build these attribution paths uh, for oh, you know, yeah. custom for, you know, very high spending clients where we would show them, yeah, these very long conversion paths with all the different touch points and it would blow their minds. I mean, cause you think, Oh, you know, I did this ad on Google and I got 13 conversions. I mean, this was a few years ago too, before kind of everyone knew about attribution. I mean, the big article back then was like, why you shouldn't use last click attribution which now is like anyone in marketing knows that. Yeah. Uh, but when we were doing it, it was really interesting to see. I mean, if you did a 30, 60, 90 day look back, how much interaction that mm. uh, potential client or client had with your brand over time through, I mean, people always used to see Bing in their conversion path. And we, you know, cause Bing is perennially on that list of like things to do that you never get around to. Uh, and then we'd show them like, look, your client is actually on Bing and they clicked on one of your ads. So even though your volume's super low, it was part of the journey. Um, but it's just mind blowing when you actually, if you can see that path. And I think in ad tech, we're gonna see a lot of these kind of audience management platforms truly evolve to be true 
end-to-end lifecycle visualization and management yeah. because there's so much uh, like quality data in there and so much uh, kind of targeting power that you could use if you do it right. But it's true, I 100% agree with that. Um, the so let's talk about Instagram a little bit. So unless okay. there's, there's anything else about Twitter you want to drop knowledge about. Um, hold on a second. I see Gil over here. Any tie-ins with email list targeting across channels? Um, so our, uh, I, I'm I'm guessing what he... Uh, Gil, you can elaborate more on that one, but I'm guessing, uh, have you uploaded like emails into like Google, Facebook, Twitter and played with that? Is that correct? Um, because yes, we've done that. Um, and I will say off the top, uh, Google customer match, their match rate is really impressive. Um, we've seen much higher than Facebook, much higher than Twitter. Um, Larry Kim had a post about that like last week and it was like pretty much spot on or two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I actually have it here. Match rate on Google in Larry Kim's articles, 50% on Google, 49% in Facebook and 10% in Twitter. Uh, yeah. Just an initial list that he just yeah. Yeah, we did um, a couple initial list, and um, we had a 66 for one and a 50% on the other. And I don't think, I mean, with Facebook, it's rare that I get above 50% um, for Facebook. Uh, I'm mostly 25 to 40% on that match rate. But anyway. Um, um, yeah. Well, and actually, I should mention Bing. Uh, I'll mention two things. One, if you're looking for, oh, there you go. John has links for everything. You can also go to uh, This Week in AdTech, our blog post, and we have links to it because it's a few weeks old. But um, second is being announced. They're also now going to support retargeting yeah. like RLSA. I don't think you can upload email. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's based off um, tags that you put on the website. Yeah. So it's kind of like URL tracking, kind of like what um, AdWords remarketing used to be. Or I guess it still is, but... I mean, I use analytics now for most of my remarketing. Right. Um, which most people should do. Well, I mean, I think most people should do both, right? So if you're going to use remarketing lists for AdWords, you should be using the audience pixel that mm -hmm. can go on your website. So you could negative target customers or you can you know, get more strategic about people who spent a lot of time on your website or looked at a certain product. Bing now supports the same exact thing. You have to use, they have some, uh, their tracking pixel is a weird name, the UET tag, the universal yeah. event tracking tag. If you use that, then you can use retargeting lists on Bing now. So we essentially have retargeting on Google, Bing, Facebook, Twitter, and we're just missing LinkedIn. Uh, so, you can do it on LinkedIn if you spend enough. Right, if you uh, if you use that the product that they yeah. bought. Uh, uh, accelerator, it? yeah. And now it's lead accelerator, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is busy. Yeah, we uh, uh, we used it at my last agency, and uh, we saw pretty good results. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to create, but um, you got to be spending a good chunk of change in LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> so. I want to say it's fifty k a month, uh, which you know, for uh, maybe a small marketer is definitely way out outside there. Yeah, I think for this client, um, they had to spend to qualify. They were spending a hundred k every quarter. Okay. Um, so that's every quarter. And then um, just to qualify, and then this was only 32000 a year extra. And I say extra because um, they were able to make that up really quick uh, because their, what they were selling was so expensive. Well, I, for people who can't afford it, it seems like a no-brainer to do it. I mean, LinkedIn, to begin with, you have such specific highly accurate targeting data because it's everybody's resume, obviously. And there's so much correlation depending on the industry you're in. You know, if you're in the education vertical uh, or if you're selling B2B, it's the best targeting you can ask for. And it's highly accurate. Yep. So now if you can do retargeting on that, it's. Yeah. And you get, um, you get retargeting on LinkedIn. They have, they're doing Facebook exchange. So you can target Facebook through it and you get access to like 2,500 websites that are like business related websites. So it's, it's also across, you know, um, you will probably compete with your Google display remarketing if you are running that as far as. Yeah, that part I'm not that, I mean, that's like some standard display network, but I guess because you yeah. can retarget the people from LinkedIn, it's more valuable. Well, they're but, saying it's just not crappy site placements like Google's inventory. Yeah, but isn't that what everybody says? <laughs> yeah. that's like, but no, no, our partner network is really good. 
I know, yeah, Twitter's crap, but ours at LinkedIn. Ours is so good. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Scott Finholm from uh, Bing slash Microsoft on the podcast last week, and he was talking about how they ink deals with um, a few different networks whose names escape me now. I think they have the AOL traffic now going through Yahoo Bing, Mm -hmm. which used to be Google, the partner traffic, and then uh, ad marketplace traffic. But, you know, same pitch, like good quality content. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> so you were starting to talk about Instagram, I, yeah. but we we're transitioning to Instagram to talk about that. So I think you want to make a point about uh, the nature of Instagram. Yeah. You know, so, and here, here's why I say this, um, know who your audience is, know where they live and know how to target them. Right. That, that is what our job is to do. So I'm in the airport, um, and I'm watching this. She's, uh, she's in college cause she had her like sorority shirt on probably 20 and she's just like, boom, boom. I mean, she's just Instagram, Instagram, like whoop, swipes. And then here's Twitter, whoop, 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 and down. And then Facebook. And then she gets a message. She answers the message, then goes back and starts hitting all three. I was like, whoa, power user. Like, <laughs> that is not me at all. I was so impressed. But thing is, watching how fast she scrolled through the feeds. I mean, she was doing this on repeat as if something had changed every 10 seconds. Uh, Maybe she follows enough people. Um, And so I think it's going to be difficult, one, uh, for Instagram, just because of the nature of visual storytelling. You have to be so good at visual storytelling. Um, If if you're not and you're just getting into it and you're like, oh, yeah, look, ads, I'm going to do it. You know, it's like, well, maybe. and I see a lot of people, you know, posting to kind of get around the ads aspect because they don't want to pay for it. It's like, yeah, go click on my link in my profile. You know, it's like, well, yeah, that that's a free click. You know what I mean? Like, um, but now that I've seen that you can do all this through Facebook, so you can now run the exact same campaign in Facebook as Instagram just by picking the placements, right? Like Instagram's now a placement. Like, so now I'm not creating two separate campaigns. I get to have the same targeting. So I think there's some, some definitely some winners there. We did, um, do you have a question? And I'll, I'll give you a quick. What yeah, we well, let me make two, two points. One, yeah. I'm picturing you in the airport being this kind of creepy guy watching <laughs> with your phone. And then you're like, take out your IBM ThinkPad and, you know, open up like, <laughs> you know, uh, Netscape Navigator, like kids these days and their Instagram. Um, I'm such a curmudgeon. Yeah. Right. You're like, ah, you're swiping too fast. Uh, oh, you didn't I, see I, my ad. Slow down. Right. <laughs> a gif of belly fat. Um, the, which we should talk about the app block uh, article we had in this week's uh, newsletter as well. I have seven nieces and nephews. I hung out with them a few weeks ago and I flew back to New Jersey. They are all like Snapchat, uh, which oh, freaks man. me out because I'm like, isn't that for, you know, yeah. and stuff like that? But, it's not. I mean, they, they, you know, they share videos and uh, pictures just like everybody else on every other network. But it's, right. it's like replacing uh, text message and DM and Twitter for that generation, whether we like it or not. So uh, that's one which I have really no True. clue on that I probably should learn. But also convince my girlfriend that I'm like on Snapchat because I want to communicate with my, you know, uh, nieces and nephews who are all, you know, kids. Uh, but to your point before, and then uh, my other point, oh, which you brought up about uh, Instagram, you know, you just made me think the way Facebook is going about this reminds me of how Google kind of got into display where they said, hey, look, it's a checkbox and you can do it. Mm-hmm. So why not throw some budget? So I'm on Facebook and, oh, yeah, there's a checkbox to run my ads on Instagram, assuming my images are the right size and whatnot. It's pretty easy just to throw them on Instagram. Same thing Google did with Display Network. Hey, you're running these ads. Extend them to the content network, I should say. Right. But like to your point, the mindset is so different on Instagram than Facebook. You're almost guaranteeing you're going to have crappy performance if you take your Facebook ads yeah. and you just throw them on Instagram where people want visual storytelling and you're sending a bunch of kind of Facebook ads that are like lead gen, right? Yeah. You know, and that's that. that's one thing that I've seen, you know, in my in my ads that I'm starting to see the sponsored updates and they do a great job of hiding it um, to where you don't really realize you're seeing an ad. I think that part's great. They do a good job of hiding the button down there. It's like very small. You're like, wait, is this an ad? No. Okay. It is. Um, I was like, good job. You know, don't make it uh, like that was my fear. It was like how, 
um let me see what's the word i'm looking for like ob- obtrusive like is this going to be in my in my experience and so i think they do a good job of hiding it um but one thing that we saw with our test last week was um like great branding and awareness zero conversions <laughs> so <laughs> We got, it was like 90, so we had, we just ran a quick uh, test for a client. They got just over 1,500 clicks, uh, pretty cheap too, because uh, I think the inventory was still um, pretty cheap, but um, zero conversions, but like 97% new visitors. Wow. And it's like, wow, like that's now, you know, you look at those numbers, like that's like 1,500 people that never heard of you before, and now they do. Um, so now if they're looking for this product, are they going to come back to you? So that's what we're kind of watching this week is um, are they getting picked back up through our remarketing? So if you are running Instagram, make sure you're running remarketing. So you can pick back up those people uh, with a different offer. That's a, yeah. I mean, it, that's a great point. Getting those Instagram users and retargeting them with a message that will you know, appeal to them. Cause clearly whatever you're using on your website either doesn't convert <laughs> <Didn't from Instagram>. <laughs> <users>. <laughs> or it's like such a different demographic that, you know, well, I think um, I think the thing that we um, probably should have done better is we took a cold audience who'd never heard of us and tried to get them to buy something. That's never going to work on any platform. Right. And so what we should have done is done more of an educational landing page. And I think that would have worked a lot better of this is our product. This is what it is. Um, you know, here's our value statements. Here's why we're better. And then hit them with an offer later. Um, after they're warmed up a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, as a first test, Instagram's been only been available as a placement for maybe a few weeks, um, right. which I should plug as well. I, if, if you want to create Instagram placement, you can do it natively, I think through Power Editor only. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fully supported in, in Facebook UI. I might be lying to you, but... I've only seen it in Power Editor. Okay. But uh, well, if it's a... Two vote. Let's pretend we're right. Yeah, someone can correct us I, if we're wrong. I create all my ads in Power Editor anyway. So. Yeah, I've definitely seen it in Power Editor. Uh, ad Stage will be adding support for it uh, this week, I think. So we'll have full support of Instagram as well. So if you're using Ad Stage to create or to manage, etc. And then the uh, the other part I wanted to plug, kind of, was talk about lead ads uh, for Facebook as well. So don't let me forget that. But let's wrap okay. up Instagram and then let's talk yeah. about lead ads. Definitely. Uh, Oh, and Jana has confirmed only Power Editor. Okay, and we we support them, so take that Facebook. Hey, good work. Um, so you ran your test. You got a, a good audience of folks who are interested in your brand, but not your product right now. So what would have been a better way? You hinted at it, but what's the ideal way to handle that Instagram audience? You know, I probably would have ran them to a blog. Honestly, um, looking back on it, I would have um, had a great visual. Um, you know, again, so let's say it's ad stage, you know, it could be seven great tips for Instagram ads, you know, whatever it is, right? Something that's interesting, you know, make it a visual. Um, there are definitely marketers on Instagram um, that you're trying to reach. You know, make sure your targeting's good. Make sure your image matches your landing page. Um, take advantage of the copy. I noticed um, Instagram people really read that copy at the bottom and they look at your hashtags and they judge you by your hashtags. And so make sure that you are, you know, utilizing their language in all of that and then sending them to something that um, might be a better ask. It's read this blog first. Right. Um, I think that would have been a better ask than, Hey, you want to buy this product? Yeah. Cool. And you know, this conversation as a marketer, this cements the fact that I need to separate my Instagram strategy from my Facebook strategy because the audience is so different and the message and the interaction is so different yep. that I yep. probably, if I'm lazy, I'll just click the placement button. And I think by default in Power Editor, you will be uh, uh, distributing your ads to Instagram. I think it's on mm-hmm. by default, which is fine if you're just like, hey, I'll take the traffic. And sure. it's a, it, you know, I think it will probably drop your CPC for a while. But if it's not converting at the same rate, I would probably then split it out and then make sure I have a Facebook uh, campaign or ad set. Uh, and then one for Instagram where I take, take your advice. I'd probably yeah. change my landing page experience. And tag your URLs, please. <laughs> right. There's been a few URLs we've shared in this flow that aren't tagged. And that the marketer to me winces a little bit. Like, Where's oh, your UTM parameters? <laughs> if I know it makes the links ugly in the feed, Jana, I, 
know it makes them ugly. But then you can bitly them, but that takes a lot of work. Yeah. You can yeah. use the Google, R, Google URL shortener. I don't know. Um, Marketing yeah. problems. I think Hashtag for an ad, if, if, if you're paying for it, then yes, please. Um, you know, for this, maybe just look at the time they clicked. Maybe, maybe it was during this window and just maybe assume that they came. I don't know. Um, I am just going to write hashtag judgy wudgy because I think that's a Yeah, great I saw one. that one. That was a good one. Um, cool. So uh, I, if you're a marketer now, go check out Instagram uh, through Power Editor or if you're an AdStage client, you can see them uh, coming this week. And let us know if you're seeing the same thing uh, JD saw in his test of a lot of high volume, not too many conversions, or zero in his case. Uh, <laughs> zero. <laughs> Um, and one thing I'll also add, um, and I see this a lot on Twitter and somewhat on Facebook and a lot somewhat on Instagram is also like interact with your audience. Like don't, don't just like throw up ads, um, and like never, like never interact with people. I think that really, that really bothers me, um, whenever you're not engaging with your actual audience or engaging as a brand, um, that, uh, it just drives me nuts to watch. Yeah, it's it's the cheap, the quick sell, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like, get out there. I mean, you're be a voice, uh, humanize yourself, um, get out there. And I know that you know for companies that cost money, you know that's an employee's time that could have been either done doing something else or an agency's time. But still, I think it makes all the difference. Um, you brought up a topic that. You made me think of a topic I want to bring up, which is this whole ad block nonsense, which won't yeah. go away. Um, so the IAB, who are apparently these like mythical advertising people on the sky <laughs> that can speak for all advertisers. Um, <laughs> there's a guy named Scott Cunningham of the Interactive Advertising Bureau, which represents 650 advertising and tech companies that produce 86% of all the ads. And his quote was essentially, well, his quote was, we messed up. Yeah. And he went on to talk about how... Um, Essentially, advertisers have been too greedy and created a bunch of bloated, crappy ads instead of focusing on a, a lean experience, which is easy for him to say because he's of course a figurehead. He's not the guy creating ads. It's always good to come out and say, like, oh, we see the error of our ways. Um, but really, you know, a lot of this movement is because of Apple's announcement uh, about you know, making it easy to block ads and uh, yep. software like Adblock. So I ask everyone, do you use Adblock? Question mark. Oh, you I do. Um, <laughs> on my work computer, I don't. On my personal computer, I run everything. Everything is blocked on my personal computer. And why? Um, because it's crap. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so I've opted out of like the digital advertising thing that you can opt out of for Facebook. You know, I've opt out for like mailing. I'm also like a tin hat wearer. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, whenever I take this off, I actually just put on like an aluminum hat and then right, really, right. Um, the Google of drone cameras. <laughs> the Google. Um, but um, no, I do. Um, and mostly. Um, well, you just I, got really serious. Like, no, I do. I really do wear a hat after this. I, 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 I I can go get it. No, um, because I, I really I ask people all the time. It's yeah. funny how marketers almost always use ad block. Hey, we're probably overexposed to it. We know how yeah. creepy it is. And I always I always say like the NSA or like children when it comes to like uh, actually mining and understanding data. I always think yeah. they're probably I picture a bunch of government officials like you know we think that's a terrorist we're looking at some like phone numbers and making horrible decisions. And meanwhile, we have people who run like storage companies that are be like, Oh yeah, whatever. But here's their buying history for the last 10 years. Here's what they're going to buy in the next three years. Here's what oh, they're related man. to. Here's everything they're interested in. Even things they don't even know they're interested in. I know they're interested in because I have all their, you know, uh, if I'm Google, I have all your browser history. If you're on Android, I have like your entire location oh. history, your mobile phone Everything. history, every phone call you made. Yeah, it's uh, it makes me laugh when I see like uh, the NSA stuff. Oh yeah, then you throw in like your um, your your probably own like a Chromecast, so I know exactly what you're watching, what you're streaming. You know, you yeah, just I mean, tie that in between the uh, Google self-driving cars, and then uh, really, and, and in some ways, who you cares? know. Take it all, Google. Make my life easy. Drive me around. Feed me. Shop for yep. me. Google. Turn Google my heat Express. up and down whenever I'm not here. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Uh, this is the creep factor. So uh, end of creep factor. Sorry. I have to do but, that uh, every week. So yeah. But for me, I do. I, I, I do block. Um, and I understand the publisher's um, issue with that. 
I do understand that for a lot of them, that's how they make money um, because they put out really good content. They really do. Um, you know, you take a look at the New York Times, you look at the Atlantic, you know, these are like high quality articles that we're reading here and they pay these journalists good money and the, how they make their money is off that ad inventory that they're selling off their website. And so I completely understand it. Um, I just think that we as advertisers have not done a good enough job at targeting and getting a good message for people. I think that's, I, I, I do blame us for a part of that. So you're taking the same mea culpa approach as Mr. Cunningham from IAB. Um, hit the new standard, which he says we're going to, to enforce, are we're going to use lean ads, L-E-A-N, yeah, light, that. encrypted, ad choice supported, non-invasive ads. So, okay, good luck us creating some lean ads. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this encrypted and what that means um, because, I, yeah, I'm really interested because if, if it's encrypted and we're using like programmatic ads, what does that mean you're just not getting, if I'm interested in buying a Ford truck this month, you know what I mean? Like you look at what Facebook can target from buying from like Axion or, you know, uh, Data Logics, you're like, geez, they're tying everything together. Um, is that what you guys mean by encrypted or do you know what they mean? Nope. I mean, okay. I, I read it briefly. I think it's just so many of the ads now are just, uh, just crap. I don't, maybe it's an HTTPS thing. I don't know. Mm, Somebody, okay. Yeah. I don't know what it means. It's it, like, it, uh, it definitely does not mean not using personal data. I should call it <laughs> not, uh, personal <laughs> data. Cause you know, if, as long as they don't take your name, social security number and phone number, yeah. I think. It's, it's not, not personal. PII, personally identifiable information, which is hilarious because it's like, who cares about your phone number or who cares yeah. about your name? I, you know, I want to know what you're going to buy. Yeah, but I can tie your web history to your phone, to your email address, to what you're doing with your credit card, and then pull all that information in together. And now I know if you're an online purchaser, if yeah. you have five credit cards or more, it's like, geez. Jeez, Facebook. In, in marketing, we're all like, uh, it sounds like half of us is like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, cool. Let's talk about a few other topics yeah. before we wrap up uh, that I just wanted to bring up. They're kind of random, so uh, don't mind me. Uh, one is Flipboard. So I don't know if you follow the news about Flipboard. They are a, a build-your-own magazine app, so essentially it's kind of like a news aggregator, and then you pick the news stories you want. It turns it into a digital magazine. Uh, I forget the number of 30 million users, I'm going to guess, you know, sizable uh, crowd that uses Flipboard. Apple, with their new uh, iOS update, are introducing Apple News, and people are calling that the Flipboard killer. Yep. So uh, something to look out for if you're a marketer, check out Flipboard. They're introducing paid ads so you can, you know, promote content. And it's very much like a, a paid content model. So you mentioned the Atlantic yeah. and New York Times. Fox is another kind of paid content journalism angle. This one is a little more aggregatory than those. Uh, so check that out. And I'm curious, what do you use? What do you use to get your news these days? I'm a Feedly guy. Okay, still so doing I have an RSS feeder. Yeah, still doing the feeds. You know, uh, you know that's. I think that's a mistake on Google. As much information as they have, maybe they just couldn't monetize what I read, but. Uh, Google Reader was awesome. I don't know if anyone ever used it. I used it for everything. And now I uh, switched over to Feedly and um, it's great. Feedly's doing a fantastic job of integration with everything, with ifs, buffer. I mean, they integrate with everything. So you can just set up everything. So I have all my feeds and you guys are on there. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, you guys made the list. Well, and you brought up <laughs> if. So if, yep. if this, then that, I assume you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So we learned about if. Well, I, some folks here have known about it for a while. I learned about it a few months ago. We had something here called AdStage Labs. We did a hackathon. And one of the things uh, that we built in AdStage Labs was an IFT integration. So you can, cool. we're launching it today on Product Hunt, in fact. So if you're listening now, head over to Product Hunt, search for AdStage or uh, AdStage Labs, maybe, or okay. if this and that, one of those things. And you'll find you can create an integration to, I want to say, pause or resume campaigns based on, you know, anything that you can find in IFT. So yep. if, the, if it's raining out, if 
you want to have your campaign start when you walk in the building, you can use the Google Maps integration. So you oh, can wow. say, hey, when I get to work, I'll turn on all my campaigns. And when I walk out the door, pause them all. So yeah. if I'm a small business, maybe I only want traffic while I'm sitting by the phone. Uh, I, but you really, it's just anything you can think of on IFT is pretty, pretty yeah. wild. So if you haven't checked that out, check out If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T. Yep. And uh, Edsage is in there, but there's also a ton of other really... Oh, just, there you go. Oh, look at that. UTM parameters and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, um, yeah, I think IFT is super powerful. And so we go back to Twitter ads. I mean, you, everything that you just named perfect you know you can do all those things um we've done them with like influencers if you know who your influencers are every time they tweet create an if to where you're responding or sending them something because that probably means that they're on twitter and so if you're looking for them to kind of maybe share your content or promote your content that's a really good if to run if someone's if paul tweets you know hitting with this tweet um so yeah so so talk a little bit more about that so today you're running it where uh, you respond with a tweet uh, yeah Cool. So you have some so, tweets pre-written, thanks for the mention or whatever, or... Or it could be, like, let's say, um, we call them, like, ego scrapers. Like, what if I um, had a quote from you, right? Um, yeah, you know, you, this is like your tin. Yeah, I'm just scraping your ego here, and I want you to share my content. Let, let, let's face it, that's exactly what that is. Um, so I, I, I um, curate 10 uh, awesome quotes that I'm going to get. And whenever Paul's online and he's actually like tweeting something, I want to hit him with that article to let him know that it's out or maybe he'll retweet it out to his audience. And so that's mm. another, it's a pretty good tactic and it's a good if I've seen people use it for celebrities. Right. No, that's a, that's a great, to get the influence yeah. to, influencers to tweet about your brand is obviously yeah. one of the big tricks in Twitter. And obviously yeah. depending on brands, celebrities might, might be the influencers or Maybe it's a JD Praters of the world. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, my with my thousand followers. <laughs> right, it's quality, not quantity, that matters. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, if you haven't checked out if that's a great use case, I haven't really played with it that much either for marketing. But if anyone has a great way of using it, to like, there's thousands of reasons I might want to start and stop a campaign. So, uh, I'm going to go try it. I'm going to go try our own yeah. if this then that integration. There's some really good stuff in there. Um, yeah, there's some really good stuff in there. Um, and one, another thing, I, I forgot to mention this, and I, I didn't mention it in the post because I was uh, folk, I, sorry. This is going back to Twitter ads. Sure. Sorry. Um, I was wanting to also point out um, that you can do like a lot of advanced searching within the Twitter UI. I didn't mention it because I was trying to focus on the third parties, but there's a there's some like really good integration that Twitter does uh, natively where you can kind of do these if-then statements within Twitter to figure out what's going on. So maybe you want to target people that have mentioned ad stage, but not sucks. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. What are you trying to say, JD? <laughs> That's your example? <laughs> um, awesome. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can do these kind of uh, statements within Twitter. Um, let me see if I can, I mean, let me pull this up for you guys. That way you guys can... Um, uh, yeah, I'm also getting the power of the PPC gods is now striking me right in the face with the sunshine in the window. Um, so I might have to shift my head here. Um, so, cool. Uh, while you're looking that up, yeah, there's one last thing I wanted to mention before we're out of time. Yeah. Uh, and we'll come back to your link to make sure we get it. Okay, you got it. There uh, it is. Oh, Sierra's, Sierra's solid too. They're out of, they were out of Philly. Mm-hmm. Right? And then now they have offices everywhere, but um, love the guys that's here. They're doing good work. Guys yeah, and they, gals. They, they, they do really good stuff. Yeah. Guys is a euphemism I need to get out of the habit of using. Uh, so what was the last thing I wanted to mention? Oh, just because I thought it was interesting. Constant Contact. This is another uh, post from This Week in Ad Tech, our newsletter. Uh, Constant Contact is now a Facebook uh, – I forget what their partners are now called. Like Marketing small partner. business something. And you can now buy – Via Constant Contact, so let's say you're managing your email list on Constant Contact, you can now easily buy Facebook ads and kind of repurpose your email content. Uh, so they just launched that. So uh, and they they sell them in packages of fifty bucks up to two hundred fifty dollars for like a fixed number of uniques, hmm. which 
you know, I see these things all the time and I'm always skeptical because generally when you package something at $50, it's a piece of crap, right? I can say shit on here. It's a piece of shit for $50. Um, so yeah. I'm really surprised if you're going to just take my email campaign and create a crappy ad for 50 bucks, what you're going to get. But as marketers, it's good to know these things because, you know, we're often competing yeah. with people who are doing it themselves, uh, usually pretty terribly. And, uh, and may, hey, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe these will create really solid ads. You know, I, I wonder the same thing too, because like how scalable is that? You know, because, you know, constant contact, we know how much that person's time is worth, you know, that has to go in and create that information and create that campaign. Um, I just wonder how much they're really making off of that. That's, that's in like how much time they're actually spending, if you know what I mean? Like, because they have to, they have to justify that somehow. So maybe they're trying to get you into constant contact. Maybe they're hoping the the, the long play is that, you know, you'll be using them. Do you have to use constant contact in order to do that? You do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's integrated in their experience. <laughs> Source to Serbia. <laughs> well, it's um, it's funny because the um, uh, like Facebook's really trying hard in the SMB space to try to create like an SMB product, and it just feels so forced. I used to be an SMB kind of exclusively. I did a ton of work trying to sell search to SMB back in like 2005 when it was like kind of unique. Um, it's really hard to do. Like someone who's a plumber yep. is a really crappy marketer. Uh, yep. And all these people are trying to convince them they can do it. And then they do it and it, it doesn't work. And then they hate the person who sold it to them. Uh, when instead, like 90% of small businesses should just hire an agency that specializes yep. in small businesses that's going to charge them a reasonable amount and can handle the scale. It's not going to be a phenomenal campaign. But um, so I always, I'm always interested when I see these kind of SMB integrations, but they very rarely work. So. Yeah, you know, we've done some of those like local awareness ads for some small business clients. Um, you know, it's all about creating local awareness within your targeted geo. And we haven't seen like awesome results from those. Again, it's weird when you're like a plumber and you're advertising on Facebook, right? You're like, hey, who has a clogged drain? Right. Don't forget about me. It's right. like, it's just like, I don't want to see that. You know what I mean? <laughs> On Instagram, that would be some very Oh, on Instagram. See, but that's the thing. If you made it funny and you made it like well-positioned, people would respond to that, you know? It's like that um, that poopery, you know? You remember that well, on YouTube, how it went viral, you know? It's like that stuff you spray in the toilet. <laughs> it's, uh, I always, I used to sell ads to, to a landscaper once and this, this guy had like 10 trucks and he had the whole, it was in Westchester County, New York. And he said, and I remember talking to him and he's like, what are you doing, you know, selling ads? And I said, like, what are you doing landscaping? And he basically said, I was just a marketing guy that saw how bad like small businesses market. So, you know, I did some clever things. I was funny, you know, just wrote good ads and then built this like massive landscaping company. Uh, so those, these techniques work. I mean, if you can really take some of these techniques to the SMB community, it's just hard though. Cause if you're an agency, it takes a lot of money to create content and to be creative yep. and be authentic it's almost impossible to do it and make money as an agency yep. and the small businesses just don't know. So that's why me and you should go out and start like landscaping companies. <laughs> we'll be millionaires. We'll be hundred thousand errors. You can start at my house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got my first, I quit. No, just kidding. Uh, it, was it needs some help right now. Um, but I was just thinking, you know, I will say um, thinking back on myself, I do follow a lot of local businesses on Instagram. I follow a lot of like local breweries. So I get like all their like special releases. Right. Um, Denver has got a pretty good beer scene going on and they, they post all those new beers or when something's going to be bottled or what food truck may be there. I, I will say that that, that is actually really helpful. Well, and if you're a marketer, that's a niche that works. It's also, but again, it's hard to make money as a marketer doing that for yes. someone else. Cause Correct. you know, if you're a brewery, I, I, I am the uh, a part owner of a small brewery in Maine. And I can tell you that they, like, we hired a guy to do marketing and just, you know, he need, it's like a full-time job, pictures mm -hmm. of the beer, uh, maintain the website, Instagram, all the events. It's, it's a lot of work. So it is, uh, but absolutely. It's, it's the way you build an audience down. No one goes to your website anymore. When no. you're in, if you're in like the food or service industry, it's all about, uh, what are you doing on Facebook and Instagram, et cetera. Yep. Uh, and in the beer community, Twitter as well. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, I did laugh out loud at uh, the comment yeah. <laughs> about my wife bought the, the poopery. 
And it yeah. actually works. So uh, Lindo Cafe, who, let's see if I can get I mean, I, I mean, uh, it has like a 4.8 rating on Amazon. Now, whether or not those were bought uh, <laughs> as Amazon cracks the whip on all those fake reviews, but I mean, they say it works. I just like that he admitted that his poop Definitely stinks works, and his yeah. wife went out and bought it and it works. So I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Great. Well, I, I think on that note, on poop, we should uh, we should shut it down for the day. Um, really appreciate you coming on. A good time as usual talking with you, uh, learning yeah. about Instagram and all that. So, uh, really appreciate the time, JD. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. Uh, please go. You know, check out their newsletter. It really does do a really good job of curating. Um, thank you. And I can say, I mean, they did not ask me to do this. I will. This, this is my own self-review. Um, if you haven't used AdStage, it really is um, really great, especially the ad groups for Twitter and the and the scheduling of ads. That's like a huge thumbs up um, for you guys to uh, at least think about using AdStage as a possible way to manage your Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Facebook. Look at him. He's just going. Yeah. We're Sawhill. <laughs> I was giving you mad props. That's the first time I gave you props the whole time. Mostly because you're you're crushing me in the standings here. You're like two seventy. Oh no, we can we we can increase this really quick. This is the most important part of the yeah. of the podcast. This is like uh, you're like the Cubs over here. Let me help you out. Let me. <laughs> hey, I wait, I'm a Mets fan for the record. So oh, well then let me give myself right some more here because I want to beat you. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you. Uh, we'll post this. I think we have an iTunes channel now. You can also find the podcast on our blog. Uh, although if you're listening to this, you've already found them. And then also check out This Week in EdTech, our, <laughs> weekly, news, our, our weekly newsletter. And boo, Blue Jays. Thanks, J.D. Blue Jays. <laughs> we'll see you later, man.